I was asked to be brief. The dictionary defines brief as... Um, thank you. Uh, I just want I, I have the privilege of introducing Randy Cottingham, who um, we've known for a long time, and he's loved us, and he's loved us well in um, lots of times in our lives. And he always has the right word in the right moment. And, uh, and I'm grateful. I feel like in this moment, we need a right word, and so no pressure. Um, but Randy has taught us long-suffering. He's taught us how to love our kids well, um, uh, how to make disciples, um, either you know in your own family or, or uh, abroad. And he has been so wonderful to us and just a great treasure to everyone that he meets. Um, when, you, when you have an interaction with Randy, uh, the presence of God is there. And so I'm grateful. Uh, Randy, we look forward to what you have to share with us. I'm so thankful to not have followed right after Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, one and a half million. <laughs> that was nice of the Lord to bump me. I do want to say... I am grateful to be here, and I think, maybe I've said this before, I don't know, but your, your hospitality, that's not the right word, your welcoming, your love, really is what it is. Um, it's not that you're loving me more, it's that I'm getting more able to receive your love. And whew, I'm going to cry to start with now. I've been weepy all day, I don't know why, but... Anyway, to begin with, I want to tell a story, and I have permission to tell this story. In uh, last May, I was, my wife and I, Carolyn, were, in fact, I, I'll go ahead and say this, I'm Carolyn's husband, Randy, because ever since Ohio, it's all about Carolyn, and she's amazing. But we were at the investiture uh, at Asbury for Paul, and afterwards there was a reception at his apartment, and we came walking in, I think it had been going on for a little bit, and Jean-Luc Curry looks at us immediately and says, Randy, you're going to lead in the prayer for Paul's going to Europe, I believe, at that time. And I thought, oh, okay. And of course, you always say yes, right? I mean, you never say no. But as I thought about it, I thought, well, how am I going to pray? I mean, I'm fine. I think, Paul, you just keep going. The Lord carries you. You've got, you know, I want to be just like that. But I'm thinking, you know, about half of these people in the room are thinking, now this guy, his heart's pumping about 20, 25 percent, and uh, he gets dizzy. Sometimes he might almost faint, and he's kind of losing his sight, and a little bit of hearty hearing. So what authentic prayer am I going to pray that everybody's going to say amen to that we're sending Paul to Europe? And I said, Lord, what are we sending? And immediately he said, we're sending my presence. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that caught me off guard. He said, I'm sending my presence. And that's kind of sent me on a little journey. God, I don't know what this is. A little journey. And uh, as I've explored that over the past few months, and when I found out I was being asked to speak here, I said, well, I already know what the subject is. And I didn't know if it fit. 
but his presence is enduring. So I'm going to speak about that. It's not a theological discussion on the presence, but it's my journey and it's not finished. Uh, you know, if we think about presence, what are we thinking about? Well, there's the signature presence of what I would call it. Remember Bob Mumford was here several years ago and he talked about this electron microscope that was finding some triple little something in all the little cells all over that's in everything. I have no idea what that was, but that was a signature of God. There's the omnipresence. There's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Two or more are gathered. He's among us. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Ye shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's among, upon, within, and by faith we proclaim, we proclaim no longer I who live, but Christ lives in us. So that's a lot of presence right there. There's our response to presence. Worship times, the, the room can fill up, and we can either fall to our knees, or we might find ourselves shouting for joy. There's the intimate time of face-to-face -face tears and laughter. And there's feelings of fear and weightiness and lightness and comfort and reproof and more. And awareness that something or someone greater than us is in the room. But none of these seem to describe what the Lord was saying that day. That he was sending his presence. I have a question for parents. And it's for children too. Children. That sounds so young. Have you ever seen yourself and your children? Now, see, that makes you laugh because you're aware of all the bad things you see in your children, right? The things that aren't as desirable. But sometimes you see something really good in your children. And for children, have you ever been said, you're a chip off the old block? And for kids, that's usually maybe a little annoying, just depending. But when it's a good compliment, when it's a good attribute somebody's commenting on, how does that make you feel? Oh, it makes you feel pretty proud, doesn't it? And what's going on? Well, they're describing something that makes you, you, and now they see it in your child. And it's not the phenotype. It's not your eye, color of your eyes, or anything, how tall you are. They're talking about some aspect of your nature, your character, of who you are, the characteristics that describe your approach to life. Some sort of transference has happened. Some of the goodness in you expressed through your children, some of the quality is being manifested and recognized by others. In biblical terms, we would say you're being glorified with a little g. Whether it's an intentional parenting thing that happened or is it something that was caught and not taught, the bottom line is glorifying. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Something John was seeing in Jesus, perhaps his activities, his speech, his response to situations, something that seemed to only come from the Father. He called it glory, most often described goodness of God. I appreciated the last song. It was kind of like, I got weepy then, too. I said, thank you, Lord, a good introduction. It was present in Jesus. His Father was present in him. And what was the effect of this glory? John 17, 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. How did he do that? Having accomplished the work you sent me to do. Do you hear what Jesus is saying about the relationship between glory and glorified? 
I have accomplished the work that you've given me to do in the manner that was in accordance with the glory you gave me. Goodness. The goodness in your nature. The outcome, the name of the Father has been glorified. Jesus said, I only said what you said in the manner you would have said it. And I only did what you would have done in the manner you would have done it. And I responded to the encounters with your response. Oh, he was a chip off the old block, all right. When Philip said, show us the Father. We haven't seen him. He says, how can you say you haven't seen the Father? I'm right in front of you, incarnate. But then the most surprising statement of all. Having, having received the Father's glory and glorifying him with it. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them. For what purpose? That they may be one as we are one. You know, without Father's glory, we can't be one. And, and you can transfer glory and say, well, without his goodness, we can't be one. And so I hear us say, and I've probably said it as well, well, we can't do anything good. Well, I think we're filled with his goodness. I think in him we can do something good. Even as the Father and Son are one, you and I can be one. The goodness of the Father passed down to the Son now resides in us. We ought to sit up a little taller in our seats, huh? So what could we conclude from this? It's not just Paul Petrie carrying the presence of God to Europe. It's every one of us walking out of this room carrying the presence of God out on the streets in Ohio. All of his children carry the presence of his goodness and glory. Oh, it's true we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the presence of his word in our mind. But beyond these, we carry the presence of his glory and his goodness in our new man. Maybe I'm splitting hairs between presence and glory. I don't know. But take, the takeaway for me is this. To glorify Jesus is to manifest his goodness in the work he has set out for each of us to do. As Paul or somebody said earlier today, get going, do something. I think he said do something. Yeah, we've got to do something. We can't be just that log that's a little glowing in the thing. And, in, and so many of us are guilty. I'll include myself. I mean, so many times... I'm just enjoying being a log that's glowing. <laughs> and it doesn't do anybody much good. So that's pretty simple, straightforward. Maybe we're done, but not so much. The investiture was in May, sending the Lord's presence. That was really cool. I love that. But by mid-June, so this is six weeks later or less, I told Carolyn, and I'm getting way down. I can feel it all closing in. Uh, a big sign for me when this happens, and it, I can't get my cheeks up. The smile just seems stuck down here. I just, man. I mean, I can get it. I, I have my quiet time, and I go out and I engage the day. But the reality is, there's a period of a couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks, I can just feel it going down, 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 down. Oh, I lost my story here. Okay. Here's an excerpt. excerpt from my journal dated June 17th. I'm so weary of not being able to hold on to the stability of knowing that I know that I'm a son, I'm chosen, I'm filled, he delights in me, I'm fruitful, a fruitful planting of the Lord, I'm on time and in line with his purposes, I'm not a fig tree only with only drying and dying leaves, I'm not a constant disappointment to my father, 
my older brother, the Holy Spirit, I have not missed him. This morning, I'm bent over in my spirit, broken a man or man, brought low, near to hopelessness. And I'm on the floor, and, I, and then the tears begin to come, and I'm saying, Lord, what's the hole? Would you plug it up? It just seemed like there's a hole. I, I come to you every morning, I get up, and by the end of the day, man, it's just all run out again. And then the little words come. There's a hole in my bucket, my bucket, my bucket. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Jesus, a hole. And I'm just saying, what's the hole? It's quite a contrast. What's the hole, Lord? Help me fill it up that I have to deal with, that we all have to deal with. And even though that presence is dead, it's always attempting to negate the presence of the Father's glory. So there's two who's involved here. It's the presence of me in the flesh of my fallen nature, and it's restrictive and impinging and confining. And isn't it ironic the Lord said, Randy, as long as there's a wrestling between the flesh, there will always be that slow leak. I mean, that's life. Well, how'd the hole get there? And I'm going to take a fast run through this. Genesis 1.26, the communion of God. Let's make man in our likeness. Genesis 2, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 3, the serpent says, not likeness, like. You'll be like God, knowing. Genesis 3, the communion of God, oh, he's become like, knowing. He needs to be out of the garden. Why? Couldn't have somebody being like God, living eternally. That'd be a problem. We're no longer trusting. The relationship with Father was out of alignment. The birth of the mind set on the flesh, the birth of I know, the birth as opposed to He knows. It's the introduction of mortality. What was the consequence of the garden? We traded serenity for anxiety. The peace of He knows for the exhausting work of I know and I'm always right. Little we think we know it all. Later on, law, sin, guilt, shame, death. Reminds me of Romans 7, 24. The question I have almost every day. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? I'm so very tired of knowing, of judging, of sinful thoughts, of self-promotion. So very tired and weighted down in my flesh. It's all going to be light and free and easy. I'd be changed in a moment, and now it's 55 years later. Why is this so difficult for Father's glory to be manifest in our lives? Why is there still so much impurity coming up out of this well of life that's supposed to be overflowing with his joy and goodness? For that answer, we turn to the story of the Molts, M-O-L-T-S. I'm sure we're all familiar with the molts, like insects, arthropods, butterflies. The molt in Greek is ekdesis. It means get out of death. What was that word again? Ekdesis. E-C-D-Y-S-I-S. Get out of, well, I'm sorry. E-C is get out. Desis is death. It's get out of death. Get out of death. I mean, it should be a command. It's a getting out and escaping from to take off, to strip oneself of dead stuff. 
Do we have any dead stuff to escape from? Instruments. Multiple stages, three, four, five molts. The only path to continued development for an insect is death and life, death and life, death and life. Continued series of deaths shedding what's covering the death, the life, sorry. Continued escape from what has already died. And it isn't sudden. There's thousands of chemical anchors. It takes a long time. Shoulders crossed. Now let's read this again. Who will molt me from this body of death? I am thinking of the one who escaped death. Do you remember him off the cross? He molted out of death. He made a way on our behalf. So we only have to, to uh, access his escape every day until that day when we too will say to him, say with him, it is finished. Until then, it's molting. You and I are a new creation, making our escape from a dead structure. Old ways of thinking, of being one that was, uh, old ways of thinking that was useful in another life, but it's not of any use in this one. It holds us back. We can call it the old man, the unrenewed mind, sin, whatever. The conclusion, just like insects, we have molts that take time and they get repeated. Every encounter with the old structure the mindset on the spirit, battling against the mindset on the flesh. It's an opportunity to break one more connection. Until at some point, enough connections are broken. That life can come out. That goodness and process. It's not like it's not out and then it's out. It's a continual process. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But in my opinion, much of sharing in his sufferings is all about. He came fully man. I think he came fully with some aspect of the garden and fully God at the same time. And just think, he was tempted always, and he was victorious every time of bringing life out of what should have been death. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to the death. I don't know, maybe it's a wordplay, but it's never set well with me that we die to self, because that means self is still alive. I always say it, it's the death of self. Self needs to die. And in that final day, there will be no more self. We must take this journey in life through like a thousand cuts in our daily battle. We progressively see our life escaping the prison of the old nature, and it takes time. So where in salvation does this happen? Because we thought we were already saved. There's some word I wish I could remember, and if one of you knows it. I knew it 30 years ago, and I looked up so many things I could not find it. But basically, it's talking about it's reality today, but then it has to unfold. And so we talk about we've been saved. Yes, we've been saved. But wait a minute, we're being saved, and then we will have been saved. We live in the middle, fellowship of his sufferings. We're being saved. How long until we see results? Oh, we're already seeing them. Do you remember Moses? He came down from the mountain. Look at him. But you know, later he kept the veil on, and why? Because the glory was fading, and he didn't want people to know, well, the glory's gone. But that isn't what it says about us. But we all unveiled faces, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That means you look in the mirror and you see the glory of the Lord. From glory to glory. And being transformed to the same image from glory to glory. Just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Transformed from molt to molt. The new life is escaping. The old becoming brighter and brighter each day. Look around the room. Tell me that one year, five years, ten years ago, 
since then, do you see more goodness, more glory, more light of the Lord coming from those folks that are sitting in the room next to you? I think you probably do. I certainly do. His presence endures. His glory endures. His goodness endures. Jesus completed his purpose with the presence of the glory of the Father. He glorified the Father. We'll complete our purpose as well. With the presence of the glory of the Father, we will have glorified both Jesus and the Father. To do so, we must leave I know behind. We must escape the dead corpse of the old man. Bring our relationship to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit back into alignment where he knows and we trust that he knows. There's a peace in that, a reconciliation, there's a harmony. We find likeness, a rest from wrestling, a rest in trusting. It is where the opaqueness of self gives way to the translucence of brokenness and humility. Where the shafts of his glorious light begin to break through the world looks and says, glorify the name of your God. Finally, well, what's our role in this? Cooperate with the Holy Spirit because he's doing the work. Engage every conflict between the spirit and the flesh that he brings to you. Stay in community. You need each other. Remain anchored to the word. Remain thankful as we embrace suffering and hope, always with an eye to the horizon of eternity, where hope is complete and the glory and the Lord is glorified forever and ever. There's goodness in us because Jesus gave it to us. We just need to get out of the way. It's the old saying, you're in your own way. And if we can get out of the way and his glory comes through and we go do our good works in the same way Jesus completed his mission, people will look. And as the song says, people are looking. They're looking for the goodness of the Lord. And when it says they're running after the goodness, they should be running after us. We should be running after them. The good, it says in the song, the goodness is running after me. Well, we are to have been the goodness running after them instead of just sitting here being good. Thank you. <laughs>